Welcome to the Building the Cooperative Classroom podcast, the official podcast of the Johnson & Johnson Cooperative Learning Institute. Welcome to the Building the Cooperative Classroom podcast. My name is Adam Rubichuk. I'm here as always with Derek Swistak. Hey, hey. And Aaron Fleming. Uh, konnichiwa. Domo arigato. Um, so for this third episode of our mini series on group processing, we're going to talk a little bit about implementation of those group processing uh, or that group processing aspect of the lesson. So take it away, Derek. So group processing is um, just as a reminder is, is kind of like something that comes towards the end, but it can be incorporated as you're doing a lesson. So I think it's important to remember like, how are we doing? How are we learning? And it explains the why of how we're learning is kind of what I think about it as. And I think this is a piece that teachers often miss. Like we want to get kids right into it, but we don't really tell them why we're doing the things that we're doing. And that is something that if you're a kid and you're going, especially if you're in middle school or high school and you're going from class to class and everybody's doing something completely different, um, that is good for the brain, um, potentially. But if kids don't really know why you're doing what you're doing, it just appears to be completely disconnected from helping them learn or helping them become more of an independent learner. So trying to, while we're talking about group processing, I think the group processing piece allows you as an educator to both model, reflect, and help kids practice how you want them to give feedback to one another and how you want them to build trust, how you want them to build community, and how you want them to build leadership. The elements of a good independent learner come from learning together. And students feel more connected to one another and success, feeling success, breeds success in and of itself. Okay, so some of the ways that you might go about um, incorporating some group processing or some things that you might think about is how are you going to record or document your observations of group interactions? So are you doing it? Do you have a few observers in the classroom that might be doing it? Are you, are you practicing some of those group dynamics. How are you going to help students reflect on their teamwork skills? So do kids know how to team together? Oh, just get together. Just get together and, and, and you guys just work on this thing. Well, without the positive interdependence, without the practice of the social skills, and without thinking through why they did what they did, which is the group processing piece, we're not giving them time to really hone in and realize like, wow, we really did a great job at that. Or I, I had no idea that I could be good at giving somebody some feedback or paraphrasing someone else. Um, how would you guide students to set goals for themselves, both individually and as a group? So as an independent learner, as a member of a team, I need to have my own independent goals. I need to reflect on my strengths and my weaknesses. And those are things that this group processing can really start to build. What are some other things you guys can think of that maybe some teachers need to keep in mind as they think about how to group process? Just in the planning of the structure of the day, um, making sure that we allow ample time, um, especially in the early stages of, of getting to know your class and teaching them the, the proper procedures for this, that 
it's going to take a little while. And especially if we cut it short, we're just not going to get to it. So um, make sure that we're setting a timer, we're setting an alarm, we've got somebody in class that's that clock watcher that can tell us, okay, we've got seven minutes left in class, regardless of what we're doing, regardless of where we are in our learning, we're going to do a hard stop because this group processing is that important. And if the conversation's quiet, if it's slow, we're going to allow those, those silences to, to sort of build because we need to get to the point where the students feel comfortable in sharing their, their recollections and their, and their observations. Well, I think you, you hit it on the head, Adam, when you're talking about the importance of this and sharing that importance with students. When you do dedicate the time at the end, it, it, it does tell students that talking about how they've gotten to the finish line and, and how, how they've helped each other and to, to give that feedback on the process is just as important as the process itself. You know, it's just as important as the academic task. It, for, for us to take the time to do it at the end, it's yes, this is just as much of a component of the learning as the academic portion. And I, I think that those are really great points. And I think what we're trying to help kids be able to do is not all, and this is one of the important things about being an adult is to be able to reflect on both your own successes and um, the group successes. And it can't just be about whether we got it right or got it wrong anymore. Like that is not a thing that, that, that is really all that important. It's more about problem solving skills and thinking through and finding solutions and being more efficient. Those are all like real skills that employers are, are looking for. They're looking for that honesty, that integrity, that reflective, reflective piece that, that's so important for, for our students that are, are being prepared for jobs that, that honestly don't exist right now. Um, so some things that a teacher might think about is, is having, having uh, being able to share out observations of a cooperative learning team interactions, um, be, being ready to share that out, having maybe some, some of the students share out their interactions and what were positive interactions that they had, and being specific about those positive interactions. Um, you might have students reflect on what went well as they were going through the process and what they would do differently to improve. You know, these are really reflective feedback kind of procedures that, you know, one of the things that I've done before too is I, I tell the kids like, okay, reflect on this and don't share it with anybody. You know, like just, let's just throw it in the recycling bin. Now you've had an opportunity to reflect on it. You've gotten those thoughts out. You've gotten maybe some of the frustrations out and it's gonna be better next time. But we don't need to share it yet. Um, and, and build that trust in your classroom before you start to share out those things. And um, I would say that, you know, helping kids compartmentalize academic, social, the affective, and, and, and being able to offer feedback on it. I think that, you know, as we move forward, and as we start rethinking like what grades mean and what evaluation means, and that, that academic isn't really just a, a right and wrong kind of thing. It's more about like, building skills that are really useful, um, whether like in, in science where I, where I teach, it's really useful for us to be able to think about mathematics and computational thinking or creating and building and interpreting models. Like those are all really important skills. They're difficult to assess on just a rote memorization -y kind of test. And you, in, in, in building these affective and social skill 
um, skills, for lack of a better word, we're able to help kids reflect on academic skills as well. Other things to add? Uh, you, you made a good point when you talked about these are skills that definitely go beyond um, the classroom. And when we talk about cooperative learning as a whole, I know one of the one of the things that you point out to your students all the time and that, that I always tried to point out to my students was that when you get to college and when you go beyond, no one's going to be structuring a cooperative lesson for you. And we want to teach you all of the elements of cooperative learning by doing them so that when you are in a, in a study group in college or when you are put in charge of a team uh, at your job, that you can build a cooperative structure for that team. And so that if you're comfortable in sharing these metacognitive processes with your peers, you're gonna have a much more productive team. And as uncomfortable as it is when your teacher is forcing you to do it, we need to make it natural so that when no one's forcing you to do it, it still is the way that you, you kind of do business. Yeah, and I think, I think cycling back to like the, begin, the very beginning of, of how we started this, this little uh, mini series is, is the idea of like sharing with our students why we're doing what we're doing. Um, and why we're doing it in this way that there are and acknowledging that there are a bunch of ways that we can learn this material or there are a bunch of ways that we could do this experiment. But the reason that we're doing this is to practice this level and to be able to practice our, our group skills. And I think to your point, Adam, that is something that I say to my students a lot is that like, you know, here what we do in class is is something that you have to be able to do to really get to be an independent learner, which is which is weird that you have to practice teamwork skills to get to be more independent. But being able to rely, being able to trust, being able to find sources that are trustworthy, understanding what it means to be trustworthy, understanding whether a source is trustworthy, these are all skills that are really important. And if we don't build them here, they they may not be able to acquire those. So I think that's probably a good place to leave it. Um, you can toss things in the chat, you know, down below or, or, or on our Discord. Coming bit. soon, no, coming soon to a Discord server. Um. <laughs> but no, I, I, think, I think you're right. That this is a great place to kind of put the brakes on, especially we keep, we keep sort of teasing this idea of uh, social skills, which coincidentally is our next mini series. So we're going to wrap up our group processing here. And next week, we'll start with a little bit of theory behind the explicit teaching of social skills. Until next week, let's cooperate. Thank you for listening to the Building the Cooperative Classroom podcast, the official podcast of the Johnson & Johnson Cooperative Learning Institute. Please check out the show notes for all relevant links, including a link to our Twitter account and the Cooperative Learning Institute webpage. This podcast is copyrighted under the Creative Commons license, copyright 2021. Theme music, courtesy of Jimmy Ryan.